0: Let's open up to the book of James chapter 1 and it's such a cool book the book of James I believe that God is wanting to use it for us you guys to help us mature as Christians Um, we can kind of relate to it in the sense you you know you see the kids and they grow up right into adults Uh, They grow out of the bottle, out of diapers, and they grow into maturity. They eventually start eating, you know, solid food and meat and stuff like that. And some Christians, unfortunately, they get saved, but they don't get sanctified. They don't get surrendered, like Ray was saying, and they never really grow up. And so um, prayerfully, God will use this book to make us strong Christians and help us to grow up. Um, last week, we went over that amazing passage where it said, if you, count it, if you fall into various trials, count it all joy, knowing that the testing of your faith, it produces patience. And so what we're going to see today is this kind of, it picks up from there. It's kind of remains within that context, but it also stands on its own in that God wants us to grow in this area of wisdom. And so look what we read here in James chapter one, beginning in verse five. He says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so the first thing we see here is the want of wisdom. Man, do you do you lack it? I think we all do. We all need like God's guidance. In life. You know, we all want wisdom, or at least we should want wisdom. You know, it's been said that wisdom is the wealth of the wise. There's a French proverb that says, wisdom is to the soul what, what health is to the body. You know, we should all want wisdom. We all need wisdom. We should all be aware, really, of our own lack of wisdom. Where would you be without God guiding you? You know, none of us here have it all figured out. I'm not smart. I've been a Christian for a long time. But I still need the Lord to guide me step by step. And so when we're talking about, you know, wanting wisdom, I pray it's something that that we all want, that we all understand, that we need. It, the acquisition of wisdom actually begins with the acknowledgement that I need it. I need God's guidance. I need to know how to apply his word to my life, you know. Maybe you're here, and you say, "Well, I've been a Christian for a long time, or I've been whatever around for a long time, and I know what I'm supposed to do." But what if God wants you to do something different? You know, what if God has something outside the box? Wisdom is—it's kind of cool. It is God's uh, leading us personally. You know, it's God uh, granting us this place where we know how to apply the Bible to our life. You know, C.H. Spurgeon said, the doorstep to the temple of wisdom is a knowledge of our own ignorance. I know, man, I know I need the Lord. Some people think they got it all figured out. You know what, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a dangerous place to be. I know I need the Lord to guide me every step of the way. You know, when you think of wisdom, you think of the want of wisdom, let me share three things with you. Number one, my tribulation. My tribulation. We have a, 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 the next slide talks about that. Or actually, it's two slides down, if I'm not mistaken. My tribulation. And what that's in reference to is when we go through the trials. And so when you um, keep this verse in context, he's talking about trials, right? Uh, Counting all joy when you fall into various trials. And so when you're going through troubles, when you're going through difficulties, when you're going through tribulation, you need wisdom. You know, we were talking last week about how when you go through the tribulation, you don't want to just go through it. You want to grow through it, right? Well, how are you going to grow through it? unless the Lord grants you wisdom right there and then. Usually when someone is going through a tribulation, let's say someone is sick, you know, we pray for them to get healed, which is fine. We pray for grace, which is fine. We even pray for deliverance out of the tribulation, which is fine. But what James is saying is that when you're in trials and tribulation, pray for wisdom. And so we see in tribulation, we see in various situations And then we see really even in our own identification. And so, you know, some of you here, maybe God's calling you to do something different. I mean, I'm not talking about a trial and tribulation now. I'm just talking about life. God will guide you. Wisdom is a hearing heart. Wisdom is when you and I hear the voice of God and he guides us and gives us marching orders. We're going to see that uh, as David would often inquire of the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Well, this time you go, you know, straightforward. Other times you go, you know, behind. And so tribulation, situation, and then identification. And what that means, you guys, is that, you know, you want to eventually become a wise man. You want to eventually become a wise woman. You don't want to continue to make dumb decisions. I know for me, I had to grow up. I didn't have any guidance as a young man. My dad wasn't there to give me that. Not only did I not have guidance as a young man, but I had no common sense whatsoever. And so what what hope is there for me? But, you know, the Lord, then he comes in by his word, by his Holy Spirit, and my, that's my aspiration. I am not there by any means, and who knows if I'll ever get there on this side of time, but that's what I want to be. I want to be a wise man. You know, some people think they got it good because they're good-looking, or they got it good because they're gifted. Well, that's cool that you're good-looking and gifted, but without wisdom, it, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall by the wayside. And so for us, um, you know, there are different... You know, when you read the Proverbs, there's a lot of different types of people it describes. It describes the fool. And there are many men out there, many women out there, fools. They are, by definition, fools. Because they don't fear God, because they don't follow the Word of God. They are fools. And then there are some who are naive. The Bible talks about that in the book of Proverbs, the simple. They're so open to everything, so open-minded that their brains fall out, right? Right? Some are like, oh, I'm open to everything. I'm open to everything. And you're listening to all this craziness. We live in a world with a bunch of lies. You're open to everything? So what type of person are you? Are you a a fool? Are you open-minded, gullible, simple, naive? Or are you, will we eventually reach, hopefully, some form of that identification I look at this pastor, I look at this guy, Mark, or whatever, Henry. All these guys, and over the years, they developed cultivated wisdom. That's where we should aspire to be. And so, tribulation, situation, identification. What he says right here, if any of you lacks wisdom, then this is what we're called to do. You know, what do we do? The pandemic hits. You know, we pray together. We ask God for for guidance. You know, we're live streaming for a while. We go outside for a while. You know, we're trying to make all these decisions with whatever, hand sanitizer and distancing each other. And then eventually, you know, you start looking at all the different, you know, factors and variables involved. But the whole time you're praying, God, guide me. You know, we, we're we praying for the youth center. Lord, Um, this building right here opened up. And, you know, it's more than we can afford, really, but it's there, so we're praying, 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 praying. Guide us, God. You guide us. We don't want to do what we want to do. That's the last place I want to be is to lead myself. And so you're praying, you're praying, and then God, you know, one day I remember just reading the scriptures and it just popped out at me in the book of Joshua. Go get that land. God will guide you through passages of the Bible, through people in the church, through paths of life and circumstances that line up, through a peace in your heart. The Bible says how it rules in your heart. And then the Lord, as we're willing to follow, he guides us. And so we look at these things and I remember even, you know, when the church first started, you know, and because what we're talking about right here, you guys, we're talking about your life. We're talking about you hearing the voice of God. That's really what wisdom is. We're going to see later when Solomon prayed for wisdom, the Lord gave him a hearing heart, a hearing heart. That's how God will lead our life. We will hear the voice of God. I remember, you know, when the whole church, now Monty, was just stirring up inside of my heart, and I'm wondering, Lord, what do you want me to do? I knew this. I had to pray. I had to fast. I had to seek the Lord. You know, I, I knew it was seven miles away from the church I was already at. There was not a Calvary affiliate there. So you know the, those are things that are taken into consideration there 's a burden in my heart because i didn 't want to build on another man 's foundation, and Almani starts stirring, but I start praying and I remember one day I was in my office, and I remember um, I was looking at this picture right here, and I never i showed this uh, I shared this with you guys before, but for some of you who haven 't remember the story you haven't heard the story, this was a picture that was up in my office, and I was looking at this picture, and I was looking at this car right here, and I was like, Lord, which way is that car going? My, my, my daughter made it, a lovely picture, but I just can't tell which way this car is going, right? And so I, for some reason, I had it in my heart that God wanted to speak to me through this little drawing of my daughter, right? And so I'm looking at this picture, praying and praying and praying, and then I get a phone call, and a lady just randomly calls me. She says, I have a scripture for you. And she said, it's Deuteronomy 31.6. And so I uh, uh, didn't really think much about it. I wrote down the scripture uh, to my shame, and I just said, thank you. And then I went back, and I looked at the picture. And lo and behold, as I'm looking at the picture, there's a verse right here, and you'll never guess what verse that is. Is Deuteronomy 31.6. The Lord said he's with you wherever you go. And I felt like, wow, Lord, are you speaking to me? I felt like, Lord, are you talking to me? I mean, anybody can tell me, oh, you're a pastor. You know what? That's, that's Anybody can say anything. But for something like that to happen, that's God. And so I continue to pray and continue to pray and next thing you know as I'm praying and I've shared with you guys before and I, and I don't know why I prayed this prayer but I would pray this prayer in my closet. I'd be praying, no one heard me, no one knew it, I would be praying, Lord, please be all over me. God, I just want you to be all over me. And I would be praying that prayer. I prayed it for a few weeks. And then one day, a lady came up to me with tears all over her eyes. She had no idea what I was praying. But she said to me, God told me to tell you that he is all over you. Now, how did she know that? The Holy Spirit is the one that told her. And then as I'm reading the scriptures and things are lining up, as I can tell you guys so many stories. I remember walking down the hallway and a verse just came to my mind and it was Jeremiah 29.7. I had no idea what Jeremiah 29.7 was, but I said, okay, Lord, this verse just is just hitting me at heart. I go to my office and I opened up my Bible and it said, seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive. For in its peace, and pray for me, pray for its peace. For in its peace, you will have peace. And all I'm saying is that it wasn't natural. It was supernatural. Now, does God always have to do, you know, things like that? I mean, I believe that when you're listening to the voice of God, that he'll show you things, that he'll guide you. But all I'm saying is that for us, praying for wisdom praying for that hearing heart, praying for that direction, as we're going through tribulations, as we're in situations, as we want that as our identification, really, I think if you're listening, God will always be speaking. And that's why it's important for us to understand what we're reading today. You know, as an individual, do you know, do we know how much we need to hear his voice? Do we want... Wisdom. Wisdom is not just knowledge. It's the application of knowledge. It's the application of His Word. What steps do I take? What do I do? You know, it's one thing to know that that animal with black fur and a white stripe is a skunk. I think we actually have a picture of a skunk. You guys know what that is? Right? And so you know it's a skunk, and you know it emits a certain smelly spray, and maybe you even know that that spray can go accurately up to about 15 feet, and it can cause temporary blindness. Maybe you know that the smell can stay with you, literally, they say, for months, right? That's just knowledge. But wisdom says don't pet it. You know, the other day, uh, John and I were going for a walk, and we just kind of stopped right there for a moment, and we saw a skunk. You know what it did? It came after us. So you know what we did? <laughs> we ran. <laughs> That's wisdom, right? Why? Because we know what that is and what it does, and for us, I think there's a lot of people that know things, but I wonder if they follow through with the application of knowledge, if they take those steps, if they're really listening to the voice of God, and it's clearly God, because when we were praying about that, you know, that building over there, I'm not about to put the church in debt, uh, something that I'm not sure of, you know, and and so you know, you have to make sure you as a pastor, as a leader, as a parent, whoever you might be, that you hear God's voice, that he gives you marching orders. You know, it's the application of his word. And, you know, we need that wisdom. C.H. Spurgeon said, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Some people think they're wise because they're smart or wise because they know the Bible. That's not wisdom. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. To know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And God leads your life. God does. He says, listen, if you want wisdom, second thing is, he says there in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, like I said earlier, and you know, it's just the, 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 the something we've fallen into. Usually when we go through tribulation or trials or whatever it might be, you know, we pray for deliverance, we pray for strength, we pray for grace, and that's cool, that's cool. You, you need to pray those things, but you also need to pray for wisdom, because there's something that God wants you to, to do during this time. You know, right here we see the promises that if we pray, then God will guide, God will grant us Wisdom. You know, here we see uh, James uh, encouraging us to pray. And you may have known, but in church history, uh, uh, James was actually known as Camel Knees because he prayed so much. So think about that. You know, if I could ask you for a moment, how is your prayer life? You know, some people say, hey, that's personal. That's between me and God. Hey, Manny, whatever you do, you better not get all legalistic on me. Listen, I'm just asking you about your prayer life, about my prayer life. If we're Christians, and the only time we pray when we're falling asleep, or maybe we do a little half-hearted one in the morning, or when we eat our meals, I mean, we should be prayer warriors. He says, that if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Let him, let him pray. And I want you to know this, that when you pray, for sure, God will answer. you know, I like what Thomas Watson said. He said, "The angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was it was prayer that fetched the angel, and you remember when the church was praying, man, Peter was in prison, Peter was locked up, Peter was going to die, but the church caught the vision to pray." And the Lord brought him out. John Bunyan said, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. And so all of us here have to examine our lives. You know, and I, and I shared with you, and you know, not that in any way I'm the, the, the pattern. What is God asking you to pray? How is God Asking you to pray. You know, I mean, for me, like I've shared with you before, it seems to be the highlight of my day. I love to just go and be alone with God and just pour out my heart and cry. And I, you guys know me, I cry a lot from the pulpit, right? I cry a lot in my prayer closet. I, I cry almost every single time that I pray. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just more of an emotional person. I don't know. But when I pray, I'm always asking God for things and I'm always listening to Him. I hear so much when I pray. But but what if I didn't pray? What if I was too busy to pray? What if I didn't get alone with God to pray? You know, whatever it is, whatever your personal convictions are, whatever your divine details are, do not let the devil win. If you can beat him in the prayer closet, then you can beat him any other place. But if you don't have prayer victory, then you will never experience all that God has for you. you know, here we see uh, James saying, you, you want wisdom, then here's the promise of prayer that if you ask for it, I'll give it to you. I promise you. But how many people, like James chapter 4, verse 2, you don't have? Because you don't ask. You know, most of you here pray, and I thank you for that. And as a matter of fact, I'm ventured to say that some of you even pray for me. Thank you. Thank you, because I could never survive without those prayers. But I'll bet you there are some of you here that don't pray. Why not? Why not? What's more important, the Laker game? What's more important, your workout? What's more important? Nothing, nothing is more important than our our time in prayer, seeking God in the word, fellowshipping together, serving the Lord. I want to encourage you, and I hope that you don't see it as like this obligation, all this big old heavy weight that Manny is putting on me. Manny is telling me I got to pray. No, it's a blessing. It is an absolute blessing to pray. A promise so important and yet often ignored. Reminds me of that song by Joseph Scriven, written in 1855. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And Joseph Scriven writ that, wrote that song for his mom when she was going through hard times. And it was her way of saying, Mom, let's pray. You see, that's the encouragement, I think, from James. I am to pray and the promise is that God will lavish his wisdom upon me generously and unashamedly. It says right here, liberally and without reproach. And so that means that God is going to guide me every single time. And he's going to lavish his guidance. He's going to lavish his direction. He's going to make it clear. I'm not going to be having to play Bible bingo or guessing, you know. God's going to say, this is what I want you to do. And I just know that he's going to lead and guide my life. You know, when you look at this right here, he does it liberally and without reproach. And that means that he won't give me a hard time for asking. He doesn't like slap me aside the head. What's wrong with you? You should know by now. You know, he's not like that. You know, it would be even like recently, you know, extended family member offered uh, asked to borrow some money from us, right? And so, you're, you know, you're making a decision. Should we lend them money? And you're like, oh, I guess so, you know. They better pay me back in a week. And God's not like that. God says, sure, you want wisdom, I'll give it to you. And you know what? It's kind of cool because he gives generously and he gives like hilariously. That's what the Bible says how we should give as well. We don't give grudgingly. And so God just says, hey, if any of you lacks wisdom, whether it be through a tribulation, a situation, some type of identification, I want you to know that all you have to do is pray and God will speak to you. God will guide you. You just have to have that heart to follow. No other translations say that God gives generously without finding fault, or generously and he won't rebuke you for asking, generously without reprimand, ungrudgingly without reproach or fault-finding. He doesn't scold his children for asking them for deficiency. You know, when I think of people asking God for guidance I think, immediately of David. And if you are taking notes, maybe some verses that you might want to write down are 1 Samuel 23, 2, and verse 4, where David would inquire of the Lord, Hey, Lord, uh, do you want me to go over here? And God would tell him, "Yea or nay. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. One of the things you'll notice about David is he would always inquire of the Lord. If any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you needs guidance, all you have to do is pray and he will guide you. 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1, 2 Samuel 5 19 and 23, and then 2 Samuel 21 and verse 1. And it's just every step of the way, David was always asking the Lord Hey, Lord, even one time, you know, there was a famine in the land. And so the Bible says that David inquired of the Lord, why? Why is this not happening? Why, is there, why isn't that person getting saved? You ever ask God that? Why? And you know what? The Lord told him why. There was a certain sin in the nation that needed to be dealt with. I'm telling you guys, you start talking to God, you start asking him questions, and he will lead and guide your life. The you know, expositor says he doesn't scold his children for asking these questions. And what we find is David, he would inquire of the Lord frequently. We need to do the same thing. you know. And then I think maybe, I'm not sure, but eventually you know, David um, had a son named Solomon. And I'm sure that they spent time together. Solomon got to know how his dad was. And then you guys remember the story when Solomon asked for wisdom—exactly what we're talking about today. As a matter of fact, I was wondering if you could turn there uh, to uh, First Chronicles. Let's go there. I was going to take you to First Kings, but we did that first service, so we'll go to First Chronicles, chapter one. Look at verse, I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles. I'm so sorry. It says, Now Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. And Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges and to every leader in all Israel, the heads of the father's houses, And then Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was in Gibeon, for the tabernacle of meeting was with God was there, which Moses, a servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. I mean, Solomon is is wanting to seek the Lord. But David had brought up the ark of God from Kyrgyzath-Jerim to the place David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Now, the bronze altar that Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord, Solomon, and the assembly sought him there. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and notice he offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. I mean, I'm just thinking he really wants God. Not that sacrifices, you know, religious stuff. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes they're they're offered in sincerity. He really wanted to hear God. He really wanted God. Do you? Do I really want this? A thousand sacrifices. It says in verse 7 that on that night, God appeared to Solomon and and he said to him, ask, what shall I give you? Imagine that. Imagine that proposition from God. You can ask me for anything. You know, we know now what to ask for because Solomon taught us that. But if you didn't have what Solomon taught, I wonder what we would ask for. You know, money, Long life. You know, it's interesting how even the Lord mentioned some of the different options. God says, "'Ask, what shall I give you?' And Solomon said to God, "'You have shown great mercy to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David my father be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people.'" For who can judge this great people of yours? In 1 Kings 3, he says, I feel like a little child. I don't know what to do. I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to guide me, God. And then we read in verse 11 then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king wisdom and knowledge are granted to you and i will give you and then the lord blesses him in other ways as well you know when you do just a little digging and when you go to first kings 3 and you put it all together and harmonize it what solomon was asking for was a hearing heart a hearing heart, understanding, wisdom. Lord, give me that. Give me that, that, that type of wisdom where when you lead, I follow. When you speak, I listen. You know, some will say, "Well, this is how you do it, Manny. If you ever face this situation, this is exactly what you're supposed to do." Because Manny, I've done it before, and I'm a pastor over there. You know, I'm not. You know, there's some, uh, you know, wisdom, I guess you could say, in listening to what other people say. But there's an old saying that says you can never step in the same river twice. Things are always changing. There's always variables involved. That's why the one to guide you has to be God. And so, you know, the Lord says, if any of you lacks wisdom, any of you wants wisdom, then the promise is, all you have to do is pray. And I promise, God said, I promise I will speak to you. Now, sometimes you don't hear right away, like with the building over there. You know, we were praying since January. It was months that we were praying. But once we heard we acted. And that's kind of how it is. You have to be in that mode, like, I, I know God will guide me because he promised that, that he would. And so we learn about wanting wisdom. We look, learn about the promise of prayer. But in that context, it's really interesting because then James gives us the danger of doubt. Look at verse six of James chapter one. He says, but here is a condition. Let him ask in faith, with no doubting, but for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You know, here we see uh, the, the danger of, of doubt. You know, when it comes to prayer, God might not want us to have tons of health or wealth or many of the things our flesh desires, but he will always, always give you wisdom. Do you believe that? I encourage you to believe that and receive that without your heart. Don't ever doubt or think He won't guide and provide the wisdom that, that you need. Like I said earlier, even if you have to wait for a while during that trial, just know that God's voice will come forth. He will speak to you. Don't doubt in the dark what he's shown you in the light. I don't believe in naming and claiming, blabbing and grabbing, like, hey, you know, speak that Mercedes into existence. Hey, that's my Mercedes over there, in Jesus' name. I'm not like that. But if I could give a little twist on the name it and claim it, name it and claim it, name it and claim it. Emmanuel, his name, I name it and I claim it. He will be with me. He is Jehovah Rapha, right? The Lord, my healer, he is Jehovah Shalom. You name it and you can claim it in that sense. 1 John 5.14 says that whenever we pray, Whatever is according to his will, he will answer. And so we know that, right? There are other issues. I mean, sometimes I pray for a building for our church. and I don't know if that'll ever happen, like some, you know, facility over there. I'm praying though. I'm praying that I know he can, but when it comes to wisdom and guidance, and I'm praying about ministries and should that one continue, and ministers, and what about that? What about this situation? Constantly praying about all these different things. I know God is going to guide us. And he's, so he's saying here, when you pray, make sure that you ask in faith and you don't doubt. It's more than an acceptance of a creed, it's confidence in Christ. You know, there's a certain danger in doubting. It's interesting how he says, let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man unstable in all of his ways now in the greek language it's interesting the way it emphasizes that by, that man that man that man right there he's got a divided heart he got one foot in the world he's got one foot in the church he's facing in two different directions he's like elijah when he was talking to the nation of israel how long are you going to falter between two opinions If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But don't think you can serve God with a divided heart. Let not that man suppose that he receive anything from the Lord. That's why, you guys, I'm telling you, man, it's important. And when we pray, uh, you're believing that God is hearing, that God is going to guide you, that God's going to show up. It is important that we have that faith. Sandy Adams said, faithless prayers are futile prayers. And that's, you know, prayerfully, we grow stronger in that. He says that he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. You know, and so one of the things you're going to see in the book of James is kind of cool. There's a lot of different references to nature and creation. I think we actually have a picture of of the storm and And the ship and going through all that. And imagine, you know, you don't have that type of, you know, direction. And so the wind is throwing you this way and throwing you that way. And next thing you know, all you're doing is thinking, not praying. You're just thinking. You start sinking. And so he says, the guy that prays and he's just a doubter, he's going to be tossed to and fro, carried about with all the ways of the wind. Can you visualize the uncertainty and instability of the ocean waves driven and tossed by the wind? Would not it be better if we were driven and directed by God? But there are some people like that. Their behavior depends on which way is the wind blowing, what's the popular opinion, what's the cultural consensus. And because they just don't believe the word of God and the promise that he hears our every prayer... They are up and down and all around like a wave. They rise and fall, rise and fall, rise and fall, think and sink. What a difference a solid prayer life makes! It changes everything. There is danger in doubt. I mean, in one sense, a doubting disciple is almost like an oxymoron. You know, doubt sees the obstacles, faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night, faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step, faith soars on high. Doubt questions, who believes? Faith answers, I. I believe in God. I believe that I have a personal relationship and fellowship with God. And I can take this situation, and I can take this ministry, and I can take this minister, and I can bring it before God. I can bring my children, whatever it might be, I bring them to God, and I say, God, speak to me. And he does every time. This is the relationship that we have. You know, James, he encourages us to believe and and, and again, you can look at it, I guess in one sense, when you're looking at that coin, there's the negative side, and hey, you better be careful. But there's also the positive side. I think he's just trying to tell you, pray. Pray. God promises I'll answer. He won't, you know, slap you around for asking. He'll give to you generously. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. But I I do believe, and I experience this just as a man and as a pastor, that sometimes to pray is difficult because we just get so busy doing other things and we have to fight for it, you know? And Daniel prayed morning, noon, and evening. And God will show you. He issues this warning in verse 7, for let not that man... Suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. In the Greek, it's a derogatory reference to that man. It's as though, you know, he's double-minded, literally, he's double-souled. It's as though one part of him says, I believe, and the other shouts, I don't. It's this sort of instability. It's not only apparent when a person prays. It marks all that he does. It says he's a double-minded man, unstable, notice, in all of his ways. You know, someone might look at that and say, well, wait a minute, Manny, what about that time when that guy, he was you know, bringing his son before the Lord, he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. How many of you guys, you thought about that? You're like, wait a minute, time out, what about that guy? Well, the difference here is that James is talking about a guy facing in two different directions. He's talking about a guy that's okay being half-hearted in their commitment. The man was just being honest, but both eyes were on Jesus. And there's a difference. And it'll make a difference in your life. And the Bible describes Reuben. You guys remember, might remember Reuben, the firstborn um, from Jacob, as a man, it says in Genesis 49, verse 4, who was unstable as water. Unstable as water. He's kind of like exactly what we're talking about right here. And what happened is a drag. What happened with Reuben, because Reuben was a firstborn, and what that meant is that he had certain privileges that were coming his way and promised, and it was for him, this was for him. But because he was unstable as water, he forfeited his birthright. And I'm not here to condemn anyone for what you've done in the past. So I'll tell you what, God's here ready to give you a new start. But my prayer is that, Lord, you make us a church that prays. I know I need to pray more with the pastors. I know I need to pray more with the overseers. I thank God that I get to pray with my wife. They get to pray my own. I'm trying my best to pray with my kids. You know, this is the only way we're going to win. We need to hear God's voice. We need wisdom. So we need to lay hold of this promise that he will answer this prayer to guide us, to make us wise guys and wise gals. But we got to make sure that we do not doubt, lest these things that God had for us with the right of being born again, unfortunately, we never realize. You know, Peter isn't it cool how he walked on water, you guys? I wonder, do you guys think we're going to be able to walk on water? Some people say, well, there's no sea in heaven. I think there is going to be water. There has to be some type of, uh, um, what's it called, water skiing? <laughs> has to be. You know, there's a river that flows from the throne, stuff like that. I don't know. I just know that when Peter was walking on water, you read about it in Matthew 14, he's doing good, you know, because Jesus had been walking on water, and the, Peter said, well, if that's you, Lord, bid me to come to you. Jesus walked over the water, and the water was symbolic of all of what the demons try to muster up, all that the devil is trying to do in our life, and believe you me, God has a plan for you, but so does the devil. The devil has a plan for you, right? So all that stuff, all the ways, all the chaos, all that nonsense, is just on underneath Jesus' feet, right? It's underneath him, it's got no power over him, and so Peter's and I believe the Lord puts it in his heart say, hey Lord if that's you then bid me to come and so Peter gets out of the boat he starts walking on water too I mean we start walking you start walking super naturally that's the only way to walk alright and he's walking when the devil the demons are all underneath him right but then what happened he took his eyes off the Lord and I'm here to tell you guys um, that It's just crazy. You can get your eyes on a person. You can get your eyes on yourself. You can get your eyes on this world, on circumstances, all that kind of stuff. It just wants to glue your gaze there. Listen, those things, they deserve a glance. That's it. Just a quick glance. Gaze on Jesus. Because as Peter was walking to the Lord, he's doing good, but then he saw the waves, he saw the winds, and all that kind of stuff, and then he started sinking Thank God for his grace. The Lord is so good. The Lord said, Save me. And Peter said, Save me, Lord. And the Lord just kind of lifts him up. And you know what he said to Peter? Do you guys remember what he said to Peter? Why did you doubt? Manny, why do you doubt? I love you. I love you. All your days. Are fashioned for you. I'm not, this is not complicated. I love you. So let me lead you. Pray. Pray. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. And you watch what I'll do. this book right here has been used by God in a tremendous way. It's Wisdom for Today, Wisdom for Today by Pastor Chuck Smith. It's one of the few books that my children will let me read to them every day. I try to read to them my own devotions, and they're like, no, Dad, I don't know. (laughs) I wrote wrote this, though. The Lord gave it to me, man. No, 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 Dad. We'll do the Chuck Smith one. (laughs) But I like the title of it, you know? Wisdom for today wisdom for every day we need it you guys and i tell you what you know because we're all in different situations and circumstances and you know maybe god has more for you and you don't even know it because you haven't really checked in with him you pray and you watch what god does but you know um uh, wherever you're at wherever you're at especially if you're here today and you're not a christian Wisdom for today is that you give your life to Christ. You just say, yes, Lord, I'm all in. No more divided heart. I would venture to say that if you're here in church, if you're watching on live stream or you're watching the video, I would venture to say that there's part of you that's interested in God. But I guess the big question is, are are you all interested in God? Are you all in? We're reading about today, that's the challenge. I pray that we would not be double minded, unstable, but that we would have this faith in Christ. He loves you, He died for you on a cross. A very simple message. You know, the religious people thought it was crazy because it's too easy. And the educated people thought it was crazy because to them it doesn't make any sense. You mean to tell me that Jesus died on a cross, he paid for your sins, he shed it, his blood right there, and he, then he put him in a grave and he rose again. And, and you mean to tell me that all you have to do is believe in him and I'll be saved and I'll be forgiven and free and I'm going to go to heaven when I die? Yes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. You can talk to anyone here who's saved. That's how they got saved. That's how they got set free from their addictions. That's how they got the peace of God that surpasses understanding. That's how they entered into a relationship with God. When they said, yes, okay, I believe. I believe, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you have not done that, I pray that today, wisdom for today, that today,